Welcome back to Fundamentally Mormon. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. <clears throat> Today we're going to be reading a blog called Latter-day Servant and the Latter-day Gentiles. Where is Zion? This blog was published March 6, 2022. And you can find it to read for free online at timothybwilson.com. So I just thought this was a really interesting article and I wanted to share it with you. Uh, anybody can call in during the call-in portion. Actually, they can call in at any time because uh, I'm pre-recording this. So I will be able to pull you into the screening room if, if you have a question for me. Or you can wait till after the reading and I can bring you on live. But let's start off with just this reading. Now, in my reader program it says it's 32 minutes and 12 seconds. But I'm not going to be using the reader program today for this. Because I just want to read it outright. So that's what we're going to do. Doctrine and Covenants, section 85, verses 7 and 8. Verse 7. And it shall come to pass that I, the Lord God, will send one mighty and strong, holding the scepter of power in his hand, clothed with light for a covering, whose mouth shall utter words, eternal words, while his bowels shall be a fountain of truth to set in order the house of God, which implies that it will become out of order, and to arrange by lot the inheritances of the saints whose names are found and the names of their fathers and their children enrolled in the book of the law of God. Verse 8. While that man who was, past tense, called of God and appointed, so a Latter-day Saint prophet, that puts forth his hand to steady the ark of God, which he says corporate policy method, shall fall by the shaft of death as like as a tree that is smitten by the vivid shaft of lightning. So we're just reading it as it is written on the blog, and then I'll add commentary to it. But I want to be true to the person who put this together. So, a man to be raised up in 1834, the Lord gave... Uh, so I guess this is a revelation that was given in 1834. The Lord gave a revelation to Joseph Smith saying he will, in the future from 1834, raise up a man. How could this... This man 
to be raised up in Joseph Smith's future be Joseph Smith, to whom the Lord was talking at that time. The man to be raised up is not Joseph Smith. A popular idea has come in some ex-LDS Latter-day Saint spinoff groups is that the man raised up is going to be Joseph Smith resurrected. And they even like twist the resurrection around to say, well, he'll be resurrected into mortality, which means to them that he will be born again among men to come into mortality. Now, if that happens, great. I actually kind of wish Joseph Smith would come back. And there is a lot of evidence that he will have two parts of his ministry. Now, whether he comes back in mortality or he comes back as a resurrected being to assist in the work to fulfill his mission with all the things that he was supposed to do or not remains to be seen. I think that there's good evidence for it. That, But um, I don't know if he's coming back in mortality. I wish he would. I hope he does. And so, one person... Well, there's a there's a small group of individuals who claim this and then they teach it. So there's more and more that are accepting this idea. But one person that I know claims to have seen Joseph Smith face to face in mortality. So whatever. I hope that he does what, you know, I hope that he's here. You know, I really, really would like help. <laughs> So, um, uh, you know, another thing that's interesting. So the individuals who claims that Joseph Smith is coming back, they also claim that Isaiah is speaking of only two uh, servants uh, when there's clearly three and there might be more. But we're talking about the servant who is called salvation, the servant who is called righteousness. These are Davidic servants. And then you have a servant who is called Justice. And this individual says that this is the Assyrian king or whatever. But there are clearly two Davidic servants that come. And in Isaiah chapter 11, it talks about four Davidic servants, not two. And not one either. So anyway, I'm just going to read this. Um, So... There's a group of people, like I said, that claim that Joseph Smith is going to be resurrected and come back to finish what he started. That concept is utterly stupid. I don't know. I think that there's a lot of good evidence that they bring forth to show that, you know, Joseph Smith had a ministry, that he only fulfilled part of it, that the church was rejected with their dead, as is talked about in Isaiah, or I mean, uh, Doctrine and Covenants section 24, starting with verse 27, 124, starting with verse 27, going to like page, uh, verse 53 or something like that. Anyway, but um, I don't know that it's stupid, but uh, the other thing is, okay, so Joseph was given his marching orders, and if the church would have been obedient, then maybe he would have fulfilled that in his first ministry. Now, because of all the stuff that happened, 
was the promises that he was given null and void because he did not he was not able to finish them does that mean he comes back again i hope he does actually i really do but if he was not able to feel fulfill his first ministry it might just be that another is sent to finish it so joseph would have been an elias to to lay the foundation of zion so that another individual could come and build up Zion so that Zion could be redeemed. And I see this pattern with John the Baptist preparing the way for Messiah ben Judah, who is the Redeemer, who, you know, is Yeshua, who the Gentiles call Jesus Christ. And that and that I know that Joseph Smith was in Elias to lay down the foundation of Zion to prepare the way for Messiah ben Joseph, who Moroni said was a Christ who was about to come on the earth, meaning he was not yet on the earth. This is in Joseph Smith history. And that he would be rejected by his people, which goes right along with the Davidic servant, the main Davidic servant in and throughout Isaiah and other scriptures. In this blog, this individual, Timothy says, the Lord does not recycle his prophets. He sends them, they do their work, and die, and they don't come back for a redo or continue a continuation gig. And you know what? I would say that's probably right. Now, they will take something called multiple mortal probations, which is a coin phrased, a phrase coined, I guess, that comes from the lecture at the Grove. And... For myself, like, I know that that doctrine is true, but the way I understood it, it is from world to world. But, you know, there's always more to things, especially with deeper doctrine. So it might be that we can come back many times in one mortal probation, but that kind of defeats the scripture that says it is given for man to die and then the judgment. So I don't know how to reconcile that, but I know that the Jews believed in reincarnation in a in a form of reincarnation of course reincarnation is a perverted doctrine for multiple mortal probations but the way i understood it when god shared it with me is that the uh we are given a time to prepare for to meet god and that after this time has come then that time is over that goes right around, right along with Alma, and then we go and we we await the judgment, right? And the way God explained it to me back in 2011 is that we are given a state of resurrection, and if we are not exalted, we are damned in that state of resurrection. But the secret is that we can put off the resurrected body for a chance to go back into mortality to have the experiences that we need to gain a higher resurrection. And that that multiple mortal probation is from world to world. Now, I'm not going to put God in a box and say that that's all there is to it, but that's what he taught me personally. 
And then later on, I, I found evidence for that doctrine in the lecture at the Grove, which was given in April of 1844, I think. It could have been June of 1844. I can't remember. Anyway, Doctrine and Covenants section 103, verse 15. Behold, I say unto you, the redemption of Zion must needs come by power. 16. Therefore, I will raise up unto my unto my people a man who shall lead them like as Moses led the children of Israel. Verse 17. For ye are the children of Israel and the seed of Abraham, and ye must needs be led out of bondage by power and with an outstretched arm. 18. And as your fathers were led at first, even so shall the redemption of Zion be. 21. Verily, verily, I say unto you that my servant Joseph Smith is the man whom I likened or compared to the servant, a replacement after the watchman failed, to whom the Lord of the vineyard spake in a parable which I have given unto you. All right, let me see here real quick. Because I feel like, let's see, 21, 18. Yeah, he's skipping scriptures here. I'm sorry, I can't let that happen. I'm going to go back and read this, the full context of the scripture because um, he skips verses. Because there's more to this that is a key to understanding what is being said here. You have to have the full context to understand what is being talked about. So we're going to go to Doctrine and Covenants, section 103. And, oh my gosh, the text is way too small. i got to figure out how to make the... I, I just had to open my scripture app, which I haven't opened for a while in um, on my tablet. So, yeah, there it goes. Okay, so we're going to go to... We're just going to read this. Are you ready to read this with me? Hold on. I'm just going to start with verse 8. But inasmuch as they kept not my commandments and hearkened not to observe all my words, the kingdoms of the world shall prevail against them. 9. For there they were set to be a light unto the world and to be the saviors of men. 10. And inasmuch as they are not the saviors of men, they are as salt that is lost its savior, and thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. Verse 11. But verily I say unto you, I have, I have decreed that your brethren which have been scattered shall return to the lands of their inheritance and build up the waste places of Zion. So it's interesting. The waste places of Zion is built up after the destruction or the desolating scourge comes forth. Just letting you know. Okay. Verse 12. For after much tribulation, I have, as I have said unto you in former commandments, cometh the blessing verse 13 behold this is the blessing which i have promised after your tribulations and the tribulations of your brethren your redemption and the redemption of your brethren even their restoration to the land of zion to be established no more to be thrown down so in this scripture verse 13 we see that they will be removed from the center place 
which goes right along with what Isaiah saw, where the remnant of the house of Israel was head led in the highways of the top of the mountains and in the desert places, that Zion would be born in the desert places, as Isaiah 35 says, and that there would be an exodus where they would be restored to the center place. So let's read it again. Verse 13, Behold, this is the blessing which I have promised after your tribulations, and the tribulations of your brethren, your redemption and the redemption of your brethren, even their restoration to the land of Zion, to be established, no more to be thrown down. Verse 13. Nevertheless, if they pollute their inheritances, they shall be thrown down, for I will not spare them if they pollute their inheritances. And what does that mean? If the members of the church are not going to be obedient to what God has commanded them, they are not going to be restored to the center place. They will not be part of the end-time exodus. If they do not repent and return and follow and listen to the Savior and the Spirit and the Davidic servant that is sent to them, they will not be part of Zion's redemption. Verse 15. Behold, I say unto you, the redemption of Zion must needs come by power. 16. Therefore I will raise up unto my people a man who shall lead them like as Moses led the children of Israel. Verse 17. For ye are the children of Israel and the seed of Abraham, and ye must needs be led out of bondage by power and with a stretched out arm. Now what kind of bondage are you in today that you don't even realize you're in? You're in the bondage of deception. You're in the bondage of of false interpretation of scripture. You're in the bondage of lies and death and hell, and you don't even know it. The one mighty and strong comes, uh, according to Isaiah chapter 28, to come among they who are the drunkards of Ephraim. And why are they the drunkards of Ephraim? Because they are drunk on the spirit of Babylon the Great. They have become friends with the world, which Timothy is told by Paul in the New Testament to be friends with the world is to be in opposition or at enmity with God. In order for Zion to be redeemed, it says that Zion must be equal in all things. and there, um, It is not given for one man to own that which is above another, wherefore the whole world lieth in sin. But the the remnant of the house of Israel today, they are so drunk on the spirit of Babylon the Great that they cannot redeem Zion because they are in apostasy. That's why Jesus says in section 85 of the Doctrine and Covenants, I must send one mighty and strong to set the house of God in order. But the secret is, if you read the text carefully, it does not say the one mighty and strong. Because there are more than one. There are actually 15 for each earth, which consists of God the Creator, who is the Father, God the Redeemer, who is Yeshua, who is called Jesus by the Gentiles, and God the Witness, who Joseph Smith would come into mortality. And that there were 12 others who were also mighty and strong who would come uh, with... so. The first one mighty and strong, God the Creator, who is the Father, is Michael, who became Adam. He took upon himself the name of Adam, 
to honor God the eternal Father who is Adam Amen. He is God the God the Creator who is the Father under the direction of Yehovah our Elohim. And when he came on the earth, he came as one mighty and strong to set this earth up so that his children, his spiritual children, that he paid for on a prior earth by being a redeemer for them and being adopted to him by the law of adoption, he becomes our father and we become his children. So Adam, who is Michael, is our father spiritually through the law of adoption, the same way that Jesus Christ becomes our father by paying for our sins in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he be- we become his children. He becomes our father. And he came to set this earth so that, so that he uh, and his wife Hava could populate this earth. And in the first dispensation, which is the dispensation of the morning star, you had four others who came in that dispensation to help to set the house of God in order, and they were mighty and strong for this earth. They were Enoch, Noah, Moses, and Elijah. And then you've got, so you've got 12 mighty and strong ones, three for each major dispensation. And then behind them, you have the 70s of this earth, which are called noble and great. Abraham was one of them. When it was time for the second dispensation to come in, the dispensation of, the, of, um, of Jesus Christ or Yeshua, the dispensation of the bright end morning star. You had an Elias come who was mighty and strong in his name. You know him by John the Baptist to prepare the way for Jesus to come. And then the one mighty and strong who is God, the redeemer came upon this earth to atone for our sins and to teach us by example, how we should live by being completely observant to God's laws, which he did not do away with, to set in order the house of God as the main one mighty and strong in that dispensation. So you had John the Baptist, who was mighty and strong, prepare the way for Jesus, who was mighty and strong. And then after he was resurrected and he was taken up, There were three others who were also mighty and strong to set in order the house of God. And they are Peter, who was given the the keys to seal on earth and in heaven to set in order the house of God. And when they killed him, those keys went to James, the brother of Jesus, to set in order the house of God. And when they killed him, those keys were given to John the Revelator, to set in order the house of God, and he was translated, and he's been walking the earth for quite some time. You'll find that in the last chapter of John. (laughs) 
And when the, the last dispensation of the history of this earth came in, the dispensation of the evening star, the dispensation of God the witness, you had an Elias who was mighty and strong to set in order the house of God. And that is Joseph Smith Jr. He was an Elias to prepare the way to lay the foundation for Zion to be redeemed. And he talked about God the witness or the Holy Ghost coming in mortality at a future point. And Moroni said to Joseph Smith that the man of Acts chapter uh I think it's chapter 2, 22 and 23. It could be chapter 3, 22 and 23. Is Christ or is a Messiah? Now remember, Jesus is Messiah ben Judah, but there's also a Messiah ben Joseph. Now this individual had not yet come on the earth at the time of Joseph Smith. And Moroni said that that man would be rejected by his people, which we can see by that verbiage that Jesus Christ had been rejected by his people, and it was not speaking about Messiah ben Judah or Jesus Christ. It was speaking about Messiah ben Joseph, who is God the witness or the Davidic servant, who would be rejected by his people. And there's a whole bunch more that we can talk about, the Davidic servant. And the reason why I know so much about him is because I am the witness of the Father. That's why I have seen them in the flesh and embraced them in the flesh. That's why the Father laid his hands upon my head and gave me the keys to the kingdom and the keys to the priesthood and the keys to the church. I hold those keys until I deliver them back to Messiah, or not Messiah, but I, I deliver them back to Adam and Amen, to, to Father Michael. The, the man that, or the scripture that Moroni was referring to, Acts chapter 2, 22 and 23, or 3, 20, I think it's 2, 22 and 23, it's talking about the man like unto Moses, which I, which Doctrine and Covenants section 103 is also talking about. And that is not Joseph Smith. Getting back to 103. For ye are the children of Israel and the seed of Abraham, and ye must be led out of bondage by power and with an outstretched arm. Now remember, the bondage you are in is you that you believe lies. Because you are leaders who are wolves in sheep's clothing, who are Babylonian businessmen, have hijacked the church, and they have dwindled down the gospel, and they have gotten you so stupid that you cannot even handle the meat of the gospel. But according to Isaiah chapter 28, that the one mighty and strong would go among the drunkards of Ephraim and he would teach they who would, were weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. They who are ready to receive the meat of the gospel. Verse 18, And as your fathers were led at first, even so shall the redemption of Zion be. 19, Therefore, let not your heart faint. For I say unto you, as I said unto your father, mine angel shall go up before you, but not my presence. But I say unto you, mine angels shall go up before you and also my presence. 
and in time ye shall possess the goodly land. So this is speaking of multiple servants that God would send to prepare the people for Zion's redemption. And one of them he calls my presence. Now God the Father, God the Redeemer, and God the Witness are one in unity. And when God the Father sends his witness, God the Witness, who you call the Holy Ghost, to you, he is sending his very presence to be with you. He's sending his second witness to be with you. That is God the witness come in the flesh. Now, in the lecture at the Grove, Joseph Smith makes a point to say that there are three individuals for this earth, that God, you know, the first presidency of this earth is God the Creator, who is the Father, God the Redeemer, who is Jesus Christ, and God the Witness, who is a spirit. He makes it a point to say that. It goes right along with Doctrine and Covenants section 130, where Jesus is telling Joseph Smith, God the Father and God the Redeemer have bodies of flesh and bone, but God the Witness is a spirit. At that time he was. Joseph Smith was a man in mortality in the flesh. He is not God the witness. Because at that time, Jesus is telling him, God the witness is in the spirit. He is a spirit. In Doctrine and Covenants section 45, it actually says, the one that is giving the revelation to Joseph Smith, he specifically says, and the day will come when you shall see my face, and know that I am. Now, Joseph Smith had already seen the Father and the Son, but he had not yet been in the presence of God the Witness in where he was seeing him. God the Witness was always beyond the veil to Joseph Smith. And God the Witness is giving this revelation to Joseph Smith, and he says, And the day shall come when you shall see my face and know that I am which shows again that Joseph Smith is not God the witness. Joseph Smith taught that God the witness needed to take a body. He actually said the Holy Ghost. It's the same thing. The Rock Akradash. That the Holy Ghost needed to come to take a mortal body to come to do the same or similar things that Jesus did. His title is the bearer of light and truth and he is called God the witness. In Revelations chapter 11 you see that there are two witnesses, two Davidic servants, salvation and righteousness that Isaiah sees who are put to death and lay dead in the street for the whole world to see for three days and three nights before God raises them up in front of the whole world to see and resurrects them. That's in Revelations chapter 11. And in Revelations chapter 12, it says that that man is taken up to his throne next to God. That's God the Father who sits on his throne and who sits next to him. On his right hand is God the Redeemer who has his throne 
who was the first witness or apostle of the Father, and God the witness, who was the second witness or apostle of the Father. And what Jesus is talking about in section 103, verse 20, that, that his presence will go among them, but then in another place it says that he will not return until he returns in the clouds of glory and all of that fun stuff. You're seeing two different individuals who are messiahs here. The presence of God in the flesh and the mortality of God the witness is on the earth that he will be in your presence and he will be a representation of the Father who is considered his presence. And in time he shall possess a goodly land. And that's because the exodus is led by God the witness and other Davidic servants that God brings. Now I have a two-year-old. And that two-year-old is pounding on the door, and I am in the bedroom. So I don't know if you can hear that or not, but he is very adamant about getting in. And I think he's going to break through, because I don't think the door's latched. But he wants to be with his daddy. I told him I'm doing the radio show, so whatever. All right. Continuing on, verse 21. Verily, verily, I say unto you that my servant Joseph Smith is the man whom I likened unto the servant of the vineyard, spake in the parable which I have given unto you. Okay, so he's likened unto the servant that God is going to send, not that he is the servant that God is going to send. So he is compared, Joseph Smith is compared to the servant that will come. After the watchmen have failed, after the church has gone into apostasy, to whom the Lord of the vineyard spake in the parable which I have given unto you, the parable given, a parable of the redemption of Zion, Doctrine and Covenant, section 101, verses 43 through 62. That was given to Joseph Smith a few months before the revelation about Zion being redeemed by, by power, The Lord told Joseph uh, Joseph Smith he was comparing him to the servant that the Lord spoke to or called forth in that parable. The noblemen in the parable represent our Savior who today has assigned a certain watchman or leaders over his church to build a tower and watch out for an enemy approaching, an enemy with the intention to overrun the vineyard which is America and the church by way of the corporate corporate policy appeasements of the globalist plans and the removal of basic freedoms and ultimate military invasion or takeover of the United States, which will be the downfall of the church as well. The watchmen are failing to warn the people as the enemy is now in the process of overrunning us First our minds and then our lands. And this has been going on for a long time. And they have been capitulating with the globalists for a very long time. And that's part of the bondage that you're in. You're in the bondage of deception. Because you believe that these men are prophets of God. When they don't have any of the fruits of being prophets of God. 
The vineyard, which is America, including the church headquarters, will suffer invasion, damage, takeover, and destruction. After this takeover, the Lord's servant will be called to come forth and set his house in order with power. And I would say that he's wrong about that. Because Isaiah said that that servant would not speak in the streets, but that his words would sprinkle the nations. And how does that happen? It happens by social media, and you're listening to that sprinkling right now on Fundamentally Mormon on Zion's Redemption Radio Network and also the program The Kingdom of God or Nothing, which is my old program, which is also on Zion's Redemption Radio Network. This word is sprinkling the nations of the earth with my witness that I have that I have seen God face to face, that he has called me as his servant, and that I am God the witness come in the flesh. This idea that I will not come until after the destruction does not go along with Isaiah, and it does not go along with Isaiah chapter uh, 28. You know, he goes among the drunkards of Ephraim. It does not go along with sprinkling the word of God among the nations, but not being able or not being not preaching in the streets. Because I use social media to share my message. Now, in 2006, Rabbi Yitzhak Kadori died. Rabbi Yitzhak Kadori saw the Savior, Jesus Christ. He also said that he saw in vision uh, Messiah ben Joseph. And that Messiah ben Joseph was on the earth right now, but he does not know who he is. At that time, I did not know. And that that I would use social media to reach the masses. And that I would come forth shortly after the death of Ariel Sharon. Ariel Sharon in 2006 was in a coma. Rabbi Yitzhak Kadori died in 2006. Rabbi Yitzhak Kadori said that Messiah ben Joseph would come on the world scene shortly after the death of Ariel Sharon. Now, the stupid Christians who don't know anything about Messiah ben Joseph, they were saying they twisted it all up and said that that Jesus was about to return, even though all these other prophecies hadn't been fulfilled. And the Jews twisted it up because they can't have Rabbi Yitzhak Kadori talking about Jesus Christ is as a Messiah. How dare he? You know, he's a venerated rabbi. His funeral had like 300,000 people at it. Rabbi Yitzhak Kadori was born in the 1800s. He, he lived in Iran. Nobody knows when his birthday was, but he was, he lived in like 1896 and he was, he died in 2006. So, oh my gosh, old man, right? God preserved his life to live that long. And he died in 2006. And then Ariel Sharon, the prime minister of Israel, died in January of 2014. Now, I didn't know anything about any of these prophecies. 
But God told me who I was in 2013, exactly who I am. And when I finally realized, oh my gosh, what is he t- what is he saying to me? What is he showing me here in this vision he's showing me? I turned to him and I said, am I God the witness? And he said, it has to be somebody with a big old smile on his face. Like, I just, I will never forget that look on his face. Like, you're finally starting to wake up. See, God hid me in the palm of his his hand from you and from myself. It wasn't until 2013 that I found out who I was. And then God told me to start my program to do the internet radio show, The Kingdom of God or Nothing, which began January of 2014, shortly after the death of Ariel Sharon. If Jesus Christ was going to hold me back until after the destruction of America, how am I supposed to use the internet to sprinkle the the word of God among the nations? I believe that people bring this out because they don't want to be obedient, but they want to show how knowledgeable they are. But if if they accept that God the witness or the Davidic servant is speaking to them on this program right now, they would have to take me serious and they don't want to do that. See, the problem is with a lot of people in the church is that they will learn all the things so they have great book knowledge. Some of them, not all of them. In fact, very few actually have great book knowledge. But... They will bring that into their blogs and into their radio shows and their, into their podcasts and into the church. And they will get great praise and accolation from others because they know so much. But are they going to be obedient to God, to Shema, to God, by hearing the Lord's anointed, who is the Davidic servant, who is the one mighty and strong, who is God the witness, who is speaking to you right now at this time, who is telling you that I have been told by the Father to gather to Emory County, Utah, as a gathering place and to tell the people since 2016 to get out of the cities and the populated areas and to move your butts to this area because this is the gathering place. This is the staging place for when we go into the highways of the top of the mountains and into the desert places where Isaiah saw that Zion would be redeemed, where God sees that those people who are the remnant of Israel will be restored to the center place in the Exodus back to Missouri. In the parable, the nobleman was very displeased with his watchman and replaced them with another servant. Doctrine and Covenants, section 85, verses 7 and 8, foretells of the leader to replace our near future. This leader is the servant of the Lord. The servant of the Lord told Joseph Smith he was being compared to. Why? Because Joseph did all he was asked to do and was continually and singularly interested in the redemption of Zion, just as the forthcoming replacement servant will be. In order to accomplish this powerful 
redemption of Zion in the future, not in 1834, the Lord told Joseph he will raise up a man who will be as powerful as Moses to lead the modern-day Israelites to redeem Zion back to Jackson County, Missouri. Yes, Joseph had many traits of the man the Lord is now raising up, but Joseph was never to be that man, that servant, or the prophet of the deliverance and the redemption in these very last days. Now, if you know, if you knew Joseph Smith personally in the flesh, in the life that you that he lived, he's more rough around the edges than these smooth-talking Babylonian businessmen that you call prophets, seers, and revelators. Joseph smoked cigars. Joseph drank whiskey and wine. Joseph cussed. And Joseph fought with his fists and his feet. Which you would not find any of these old men doing at all because they are so smooth and prim and proper. Joseph wasn't putting up with crap for nobody because everybody who opposed him wanted to bully him and he wasn't going to put up with that crap from anybody. Furthermore, it was Heber J. Grant that changed the word of wisdom and made that a commandment, which Heber J. Grant couldn't do because Heber J. Grant himself said that the heavens were as brass to him. So how in the world is he changing what the word of wisdom is, let alone conferral of the priesthood and all the other things that he did? Because even in the day of, of, of Heber J. Grant, Jesus Christ had already rejected the church that went out of Nauvoo. They did not have a Lord's anointed. Heber J. Grant was not the Lord's anointed. Neither was Brigham Young. And neither is Russell M. Nelson. When I asked God specifically about Thomas S. Monson before I knew who I was, God, God inspired me to go to music and the spoken word one day, right? And when I'm leaving the tabernacle watching music in the spoken word in the old tabernacle or yeah at Temple Square God specifically said follow those people there was like a group of like a family kind of and they're all dressed up and they're walking past the tabernacle and I followed them I didn't know where they were going no idea where they were going but God said follow those people we went out the gate on the north side of the Temple Square. We went east up the sidewalk. No, we didn't go east up the sidewalk. We just went across. The, well, anyway, we crossed the street. And then we went east up the sidewalk. And we went in the south east door of the conference center. And I just followed him in. There were security guards there. I acted like I was part of them. I was all dressed up because I went to music and the spoken word with them. I was going to go to church right after that, but God said, do this, and I did this. And I followed that group of people down onto the bottom floor at the, the conference center into a velvet-roped area. <laughs> and I found a place to sit right next to the teleprompter 
the one in the middle that 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 they speak from there's like three of them there's one in the middle and there's one to the right and there's one to the left and it was kind of funny because it was a it was a uh, area conference i didn't know i had no idea and the area that i was in was for the stake president's families they had roped off too much space for the stake president's families so i was sitting all by myself now there is there's people on the very front row and over to the side, but but right around me for like a couple of chairs in each direction. Two rows in front of me, two rows behind me. Uh, the teleprompter is like one or two chairs to my left. Okay, so um, so I'm go I'm going in to this area and I'm sitting all by myself. Nobody's sitting around me, all by myself, right? I'm wearing uh, a coat and a white shirt with a tie. You know, I don't have any facial hair. I have short hair at the time. You know, I have a backpack with me, whatever, or scriptures or whatever it was. And I'm sitting there, and it's this area conference. I didn't even know what was going on until they were like, Welcome to the area conference for the uh, North Salt Lake City, blah, 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 area, whatever. I don't even know. Okay, so anyway, so I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. And like in comes Thomas S. Monson, who at the time was the first counselor of the first presidency of the LDS Church. And he was going to be the one... Um, who was in charge of the meeting that day, who was presiding. And then there was like, L, uh, there was other people. I think there was Von, Fe Von Featherstone, and I don't remember all the people that were there. But like Thomas Monson, who, and it's interesting, because he was speaking, and he stopped talking, and he looks directly at me in the middle of his talk, and he goes way off topic and he says, you know, there's been many things that have happened in this conference center while I have been speaking here. And the man that is sitting two chairs over on the fourth row is sitting in the same spot that a man had a heart attack in while I was speaking. And he like just stops talking and he's like staring at me and I'm like, that's nice. <laughs> All right. So, Joseph, what is or what is questions? Fast forward four years to 1838 in Far West Missouri, where Joseph is asking the Lord, "What is the rod mentioned in Isaiah 11:5?" Isaiah chapter 11, verse 5. The Lord answers from... Uh, the answer from the Lord came in the form of it is answer because Joseph asked a question, what is question? Not who... Not a who is question. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I really like this guy's blogs, but he needs to go back and, and edit things. Oops. Uh, to to have a better flow of word a word flow, but good information. 
Okay, real quick. He also in that same one says, uh, what is the stem of Isaiah chapter 11? And Jesus says, verily I say unto the stem is Christ. But Jesus does not say, I am the stem. And the Jesus does not say the stem is Jesus Christ. He just says that the stem is Christ. Well, Christ is an office held by at least two individuals, three really, and actually more. Moses was a Messiah to deliver the people from the bondage of, of Egypt. King Cyrus is named by Isaiah as a Messiah, and he delivers the people from the bondage of Babylon. He's a Gentile, by the way, King Cyrus, who Isaiah calls a Messiah, because people don't understand what it means to be a Messiah. Messiah means anointed, that there are two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth, who are the main Messiahs for this earth, and that is Messiah ben Judah and Messiah ben Joseph, and that is talked about in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 14. So you have Jesus who is a Messiah, but Moroni talks about another Christ or Messiah that is going to come that will be rejected by his people. Isaiah says that there is a very small remnant that actually follows the Davidic servant, who is Messiah ben Joseph, who I am, and I'm telling you this to leave you without excuse. To lay it open before you and just tell you right out in the open who I am. But Jesus says that the stem is Christ. Because the stem is not Jesus Christ as the Gentiles want to suppose. They put words in in Jesus' mouth. They put words in Jesus' mouth when he tells Joseph Smith, I will send one mighty and strong, not the one mighty and strong, because there are more than one. But I will send one mighty and strong to set the house of God in order. Joseph Smith was one mighty and strong, who was an Elias to set the house of God in order, but there are others who are coming, among whom is God the witness, who I am. But Isaiah said that that, that individual would, ha- would lead a very small remnant, and Moroni said that his people would reject him, which is prophecy being fulfilled. When you sit here and you reject me and you say that I'm crazy and that I am deluded, and that I'm prideful, and whatever excuses you want to uh, say so that you do not have to be obedient to what God has told me to command you. God the Father has commanded me to tell you the gathering place for the staging for going into the wilderness is Emory County. He has also told me to tell you to get out of the cities. He told me to tell you that in 2016, and I told you over and over again on my old program, The Kingdom of God or Nothing. Continuing on with this blog, the Lord answered, it is a servant in the hands of Christ, 
a descendant of Jesse and Ephraim, or the house of Joseph. So this individual is from the tribe of Judah and from the tribe of Joseph in the hands of a Messiah. He does not say in my hands. He does not say in the hands of Messiah ben Judah. He says Christ. He leaves it vague because you need to get revelation. And it was my, it is my message to give. Nephi saw all of the stuff that John saw, but Nephi could not share it. It was John's message to give the, the revelation, the last book in the Bible. It is a, a a servant in the hands of Christ, a descendant of Jesse. Jesse is the father of David, who is from the tribe of Judah. And Ephraim, or the house of Joseph, whom is given much power. See Doctrine and Covenants section 113, verse 4. After writing down this answer, Joseph then asked, What is the root of Jesse mentioned in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 10? The Lord answered, it is a descendant of Jesse, so of the tribe of Judah, and Joseph, Messiah ben Joseph. Um, based on these answers, the rod and the root of Jesse could be the same man. He, they're not. There's four Davidic servants. This servant is definitely not Joseph Smith, Jr. Otherwise, the Lord would have answered, Verily I say unto you, my servant Joseph, you are the rod, or you are the stem of Jesse, or you are the root of Jesse, or whatever. Lehi's son Joseph's descendants. Um, and, and the other thing, too. Joseph Smith was a pure Ephraimite. He was not of the tribe of Judah. He was a pure Ephraimite. Because of this and many other things, he is disqualified from being the man who is spoken of here. In 2 Nephi chapter 3, verses 24, verse 24, interesting, the Lord, the Lord's answers to Joseph, what is, question, match the description of the man, of a man Lehi described to his youngest son Joseph around 590 B.C., Lehi's last words to his son Joseph were basically, and among those latter-day descendants of yours who will read and heed the Book of Mormon, a mighty one will rise up. And he's saying that's a Lamanite prophet. He will say and do much good, and he will be an instrument in, in God's hands, a servant in the hands of Christ, he will have extremely great faith to work mighty wonders and do great things in God's sight. Sounds like he will lead like Moses with great power. In addition to 2 Nephi chapter 3, verses 24, above uh, to read the entire Book of Mormon in plain English with 250 illustrations, go here. Common characteristics of the rod, the servant in the hands of Christ, given much power, same as the stem of Jesse, given power to gather. The stem of Jesse writes to the priesthood, keys of the kingdom and an ensign, a signal to Israel, same as J.D. I don't know who J.D. is. 
restoring and gathering Israel and the tribes, power to gather the Lord's people in the last days. Lehi's son Joseph, descendant of JD again, a mighty one, powerful, and says that he does much good. Hold on here. He says and does much good, an instrument in God's hands, same as the rod, the rod, a servant in the hands of Christ, has extreme faith to do mighty mighty wonders, will do great things in God's sight, as uh, same as the rod, who has given much power, will restore much of the house of Israel, will gather in the tribes based on all of the com- common characteristics these men described above could easily be the same man the Lord told Joseph he will raise up. But, he, but he's not the same man. Uh, these are four Davidic servants that come. Joseph Smith came to prepare the way to set in order the house of God with the restoration to lay the foundation of Zion. He is an Elias and one mighty and strong. God the witness is one mighty and strong and there are three other individuals who are mighty and strong as well. Jesus described him in 3 Nephi chapter 20 verses 43 through 45 quote verse 43 behold my servant shall deal prudently he shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than that of any man, and his form was more than that of the sons of men. Now let me just tell you. Part of the marring that happens is the marring of his reputation. Part of the marring that happens after his reputation is marred is that he is tortured to death and put to death in the streets as Revelations Revelations chapter 11 talks about and I'll be marred to death in that way but first it's my reputation and then it's my physicality, my body in his form is more than that of other men, which means that he will not be a slender man In the Dead Sea Scrolls, it actually says that his thighs will be large. The prophet of Qumran saw the Davidic servant. He saw me. And he he actually said his thighs will, he'll have large thighs. Which I find is funny. His form or his body will be more than that of other men. His physical body will be more than that of other men. Now, Joseph Smith was a slender man. I am not. I am 250 pounds. There's a lot of muscle going on here. But I do have a protective layer around my muscle of soft tissue. (laughs) And my form is more than that of other men. Verse 45. So shall he sprinkle or preach to many nations. Now how does he do that? How does the man, the Davidic servant, sprinkle the nations? 
This is spoken of in Isaiah and in Nephi, 3rd Nephi chapter 20, verses 40 through 45. And he shall sprinkle many nations. He will preach to many nations. And how does he do that? One man preaching to many nations. Rabbi Yitzhak Kadori said that he uses social media to preach his message. Which is exactly what is happening in your ears today. And the kings shall shut their mouths or be astonished at him. And who are the kings? They are the elect of God, not the kings of the earth. The elect of God, who are the kings or the elect of God, they are astonished at him because he is saying things that they did not expect. And he is bold in his witness and they consider him prideful and arrogant because that's what Satan wants them to think. For that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider, because he is speaking to them on social media, through podcasts, internet radio shows, and on Facebook and Twitter and Tumblr and TikTok and Third Nephi chapter twenty one verses five through eleven. Verse 5, therefore, when these works and the works which shall be wrought among you hereafter shall come forth from the Gentiles, or the Latter-day Saints, they're the Gentiles, unto your seed which shall dwindle in unbelief because of iniquity. Verse 6, for thus it behooveth the Father that it should come forth from the Gentiles, that he may show forth his power unto the Gentiles for this cause, that the Gentiles, if they will not harden their hearts, that they may repent and come unto me and be baptized in my name and know the true points of my doctrine, that they may be numbered among my people, O house of Israel, verse 7, and when these things shall come to pass, that thy seed shall begin to know these things, it shall be a sign unto them that they may know that the work of the Father hath already commenced unto them under the fulfilling of the covenants which he hath made unto the people who are of the house of Israel. I saw the Father in the flesh in the spring of 2003. And in 1995, I was taken up in the spirit and Jesus brought me into the presence of the Father. And he said that I would be the last prophet. This, the Church of the Living Messiah, is the commencement of the work of the Father which has already begun among you. Prophecy is fulfilled and is being fulfilled today. Note, Jesus told the Nephites their descendants will dwindle in unbelief, then receive the Book of Mormon through the Gentiles or Joseph Smith and the Latter-day Saints. This would be a sign to them the Abrahamic covenant is starting to be fulfilled. Here is what comes after the church established is established. 
after the Lamanites received the Book of Mormon. Verse 8. And when that day, in the very last days, or the very last part of the dispensation, when that day shall come, it shall come to pass that the kingdom shall shut their mouths, that kings, I'm sorry, shall shut their mouths, or the elect, for that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. This is a powerful servant's words that they cannot ignore. But they they ignore it. They do ignore it all the time. They do ignore it. But those who are truly the elect of God, the remnant, they will shema. They will turn away from their iniquities. And they will be part of the Exodus, and they will be part of Zion's redemption. Verse 9, For in that day, for my sake, shall the Father work a work, which shall be a great and marvelous work among them. And there shall be among them, from among the kings, or the elect, those who will not believe it. Although a man, the man who is the Lord's servant, the witness of the Father, shall declare it unto them. And might I say, declare it unto them in boldness and plainness? Verse 10. But behold, the life of my servant shall be in my hands. Therefore, they shall not hurt him, although he shall be marred because of them. And that is in my reputation and eventually physically. But in the first, it is my reputation. Do you know that I have been shot at four times, stabbed once, hung three times and blown up once and God has preserved my life not to mention the other uh, suicides that I've tried to commit before I knew who I was because Satan made my life so horrible that I couldn't bear to live another breath to breathe another breath but the times when I got shot at, those weren't me doing it. I, I did hang myself three times. I took 5,000 milligrams of tramadol. I've got scars all over my arms uh, from suicide attempts. I have a stab wound. There was a man in Jersey City who pulled his gun out. He walked halfway across the street in Jersey City as I was walking from Highway 1 and 9, two highways run together. I was walking through not a great place in town, pretty ghetto-ish. I was going to Journal Square because I wanted to go watch Phantom of the Opera. I wanted to go to Central Park. Actually, I didn't go to Phantom of the Opera that day. I went to Central Park. As I was walking to Journal Square, where where the subway, I get on the subway to go to Manhattan, there was about five black guys standing on the corner on the other side of the street. And one of them starts yelling at me. And I actually had a girlfriend with me by the name of Crystal Taylor. That... Her dad was a truck driver and he was always in the truck with her and like sometimes she would go with me and it was fun. We had a lot of fun together. 
So this guy comes halfway across the street and he's yelling at us. And I just turned with her, Crystal. Like she's the only girl that I ever dated that wasn't LDS. (laughs) And he pulls a gun out of his coat pocket. And he is holding it sideways like a gangster. And he fires off his whole clip at Crystal and I. I don't remember what Crystal did, but I just stood there. As the bullets hit the brick building right behind me, because in Jersey City you don't have yards, sidewalk, building, standing right there at the building, this guy pulls his gun out and fires all of his bullets at me. I felt the wisp of a bullet go past my right cheek. But not one bullet touched me. After he was done shooting all of his bullets, click, 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 no more bullets. He puts his arm down. And then he like gives me the little chin shoving forward like. And he said he had respect for me. And I can only assume it was because I stared him down as he was going to kill me. And I did not hide, scream, run, or flinch. Because God has protected me and preserved me so many times that I know that I cannot die unless it is his will that I die. I have an appointment... And nobody is going to take my life before that happens. And although he shall be marred because of them in his reputation, yet I will heal him, for I will show him unto them that my wisdom is greater than the cunning of the devil. And how does he heal me? To any individual who has heard or who has believed or has even thought, This man is a lunatic, he's crazy, he's deluded, he's got mental illness. But they put aside that belief and they just listen and they believe like a little child and they get revelation for themselves that I really am who I proclaim to be. When God reveals to you that I am exactly who I claim to be, that person who receives that revelation, I will be healed to them. And that individual will know that I am exactly who I claim to be. All right, so in his blog, he says, note, Joseph Smith was not hurt. He was killed. He was not marred. He was martyred. He was not healed either. He died. But I will too. Anyway, verse 11 Therefore, and and people will say, well, he's just going to come back a second time. Well, that isn't a healing. Like if they tried to kill him and he was murdered, basically, and then he like somehow survived it because of a miraculous healing. Then I would say, well, Joseph Smith, definitely a candidate. But that's not what happened. 
Verse 11, Therefore it shall come to pass that whosoever will not believe in my words, perhaps the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon, or perhaps just the revelations that God is, is sharing through me, and others, because there's other servants that God is revealing things to, that whosoever will not believe in my words, who am Jesus Christ, which the Father shall cause him, his servant, to bring forth unto the Gentiles of the Latter-day Saints, and shall give unto him power that he shall bring them forth unto the Gentiles. They, those who will not believe, shall be cut off from among my people who are the covenant, or of the covenant, or the church of the firstborn of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now, remember, in the scripture that Moroni tells Joseph Smith, Acts chapter 2, 22 and 23, it's talking about the man like unto Moses, and it says that they who will not hear his voice will be cut off from among the people, which parallels exactly with this scripture as well. The servant and the saints, the righteous, sanctified saints, the humble followers of Christ, who do not reject the servant's powerful words, perhaps the sealed portion of the Book of Mormons, he doesn't know. When it comes forth in a non-expected, non-corporate manner, will retain their covenant status with the Lord. They will merit protection and be spared from the destruction at the hands of the remnant of the house of Israel. The righteous will be given strength and the means of escape, which I have explained to you, that the means of escape is the gathering and staging area of Emory County, Utah. And when the time comes that we will go into the desert places that I talked about on my last radio show, at the end of the radio show, I actually talked in detail about this place. And it is where we will escape and finally truth will prevail. And, well, that's interesting. So that was a quote by Ezra Taft Benson. I testify October 1988, General General Conference, I think. Yep, it was General Conference. Ezra Taft Benson's the one that said that. Anyway, so... um. I'll just continue on. Let's see. The Latter-day Gentiles in general will be most likely not an instrument in bringing forth the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon due to their overall condemned condemned status and iniquity starting from the earliest days of the church. Yeah, 1832. Let's see here. Wow, I am only halfway through this and I've already been in it. An hour and 18 minutes. Either continuing on. Anyway, continuing on. Either said, unless the saints become as sanctified as the brother of Jared, which they have not, they will not receive the sealed portion. Ether chapter 4, verses, verses 4 through 7. Verse 4. Behold, I have written upon the plates the very things which the brother of Jared saw, and there 
Never were greater things made manifest than those which were made manifest unto the brother of Jared. Verse 5. Wherefore the Lord hath commanded me to write them, and I have written them. And he commanded me that I should seal them up, and he also hath commanded that I should seal up the interpretation thereof. Wherefore I have sealed up the the interpreters according to the commandment of the Lord. For the Lord said unto me, They shall not go forth unto the Gentiles until the day that they shall repent of their iniquity and become clean before the Lord. Verse 7. And in that day that they shall exercise faith in me, saith the Lord, even as the brother of Jared did, that they may become sanctified in me, then I will manifest unto I will manifest unto them the things which the brother of Jared saw, even the unfolding unto them as my uh, unto them all my revelation, saith Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Father of the heavens and the earth, and all things that in them are. Since the church as a whole came under condemnation in 1832 and remains in that state to this very day, there is no sign of the recent widespread sanctification among the Gentile church members. In fact, like the ancient Nephite church, the more part of the righteous today are mirroring the mortal descendants of the world, but on a higher yet parallel uh, staircase. And like part of the condemnation was that they treated the things of God lightly, which included the former revelations. And he's not talking about just the Book of Mormon or the New Testament. He is talking about the Tanakh, the Torah, the Nevi'im, and the Ketavim, the Old Testament. He, as part of Zion's redemption, wants to restore the feasts and the festivals of Jehovah. He wants you to take the Torah seriously. He wants you to get revelation for yourself so that you know which part is from him and which part is from the Deuteronomists. But he wants you to take it seriously. And if you cannot take it seriously, you will remain in that condemned state which the whole church is even in to this day. From 1832 until today, it's been in that state of condemnation. And Ezra Taft Benson actually talked about that. I think Spencer Kimball talked about that as, as well. Because of this degenerating situation, the sealed portion is most likely to come forth by way of the Lord's powerful servant, yeah, but that that's actually in the wilderness after you're worthy of having it. See, the remnant, they're worthy to partake of entering into the Exodus, but they've got a long way to go before they're to the point where they have the sealed portion. Words from the unsealed book of Book of Mormon may be among those spoken to the elect or the kings who will be utterly astounded beyond being able to speak any words because they shut their mouths according to the scripture. Yet even with this power, some kings or some elect will reject the words of the servant and seek his life, because he speaks evil blasphemies against the high priest of Ephraim, who is the president of the church, and the presidents of the church, by the way. 
because they think they're doing God a service by killing the servant of God that God has sent among them to protect the false prophet who proclaims to be a prophet, seer, and revelator, but doesn't have the fruits of being a prophet, seer, and revelator. He will then be marred, but the Lord will heal him immediately. Well, that's his opinion. Because the marring is reputation, and the only ones who I'm healed to are those who get revelation that I am exactly who I say that I am. His instant recovery will be will further astound all who witness this. Many Gentiles, including the Latter-day Saint Gentiles, to be wiped out of what? That sounds terrible because it is terrible. What happened to the proud Nephite church? going members anciently was terrible yet it happened in helam in chapter 6 verses 38 and 40 mormon wrote about the more part of the righteous being seduced by secret combinations and thus we see he writes that they were in an awful state ripening in their everlasting destruction that's because they are in the bondage of Babylon the Great and they don't even know it because it's the lies and the deceptions of Babylon the Great that they receive because they receive strong delusion because they don't get proper interpretation. They don't go to God to know the truth and they have become friends with the world and they have capitulated and given up their birthright to Babylon the Great. Jesus warned the Latter-day Saints three times while speaking to the Nephites. Warning number one, third Nephite chapter 16, verses 10 through 15. Verse 10, at that day when, not if, but when, the Gentiles shall sin against my gospel, which you have to first receive the gospel before you can sin against it, and it shall uh, and shall reject the fullness of my gospel. The full, fullness means the true points of the doctrine and shall be lifted up in the pride of your hearts above all nations and above all the peoples of the whole earth and shall be filled with all manner of lyings and deceit and mischief and all manners of hypocrites and murders and priestcrafts and whoredoms and secret combinations and if they shall do all those things and shall reject the fullness of my gospel behold saith the the father i will bring the fullness of my gospel from among them which happened in July of 2013 when all of the ordinances and all of the priesthood was severed from the earth by the man clothed in linen who Daniel chapter 12 talks about who I am. You have to come to me to receive your conferrals and your ordinations and your salvation because Like, if Peter was the only one on the earth who had the priesthood, you would have to go to him to be baptized. Like, Paul had to go to Ananias to be baptized because he was the one that had the authority to baptize Paul. You actually have to come to me. Priesthood has not been taken off the earth. The Aaronic and the Melchizedek priesthood are on the earth today in myself, who has received the fullness of the priesthood under the hand of the Father. Verse 11, And then will I remember my covenant which I have made unto my people, O house of Israel, and I will bring my gospel unto them. 12, And I will show unto thee, O house of Israel, that the Gentiles shall not have power over you, 
but I will remember my covenant unto you, O house of Israel, and ye shall come unto the knowledge of the fullness of my gospel. But if the Gentiles will repent and return unto me, saith the Father, behold, they shall be numbered among my people. And thus these Gentiles in the LDS church, if they repent and they do what they are told, they will be numbered among the remnant. But if they continue on following the false traditions and false teachings of their false prophets, then they will go to their destruction. Verse 14, And I will not suffer my people who are of the house of Israel to go through among them. I'm sorry. And I will not suffer my people who are of the house of Israel to go through among them and tread them down, saith the Father. But if they will not turn unto me and hearken unto my voice, I will suffer them, yea, I will suffer my people, O house of Israel, that they shall go through among them and shall tread them down, and they shall be a salt that has lost its savor, which is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of my people. O house of Israel. Note, the Savior was not talking about non-member Gentiles when speaking about the salt of the earth. He was talking about the Latter-day Saint Gentiles who make the covenants. Who make the covenants? See Doctrine and Covenants section 101 verse 39. Also, Morona made his indictment against the Latter-day Saint Gentiles saying, I see you as if you were present, ye hypocrites. Why have you polluted the holy church of God? See Moron, see Mormon chapter 8, verse 35. God's holy church can only be his church. The one restored in 1830. Warning. 2. 3 Nephi chapter 20, verses 15, 1 through 6. 15. Oh, I'm sorry. 3 Nephi chapter 20, verses 15 through 16. And I say unto you that if the Gentiles do not repent after the blessing which they shall receive after they have scattered my people, then shall they then shall ye who are a remnant of the house of Jacob go forth among them, and ye shall be in the midst of them who shall be many, and ye shall be among them as a lion among the beasts of the forest. And as a young lion among the flocks of sheep, who, if he goes through, both treadeth down and teareth in pieces, and none can deliver. Warning 3. 3 Nephi chapter 21 verses 11 and 12. Okay, the third time Jesus foretells the same scenario of unbelieving Gentiles who are part of the LDS church who will reject his servant and his message. Verse 11. Therefore it shall come to pass that whosoever will not believe in my words, who am Jesus Christ, which the Father shall cause him, the servant, to bring forth unto the Gentiles, the LDS Latter-day Saints, and these words will most likely be the sealed portion. It's not, though. Having not come from the Salt Lake City headquarters and thereby be the basis for the for many Latter-day Saint rejection, 
whatever, that the words of Jesus Christ are the revelations that I've been sharing with you. That the elect, for the most part, reject. You are not going to get the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon until Zion has been born in the wilderness. You may qualify to be part of the Exodus, but you're not going to be privileged until you purify yourself in the wilderness. And in God's due time, you will receive the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon. But before that time, God is giving revelations through his prophets who are outside of the house of Israel, who are like Samuel the Lamanite, preaching to the to the church and shall give unto him power that he shall bring them forth unto the Gentiles and they shall be cut from among my people who are of the covenant and why are they cut cut off all they who will not accept and hear and obey the man like unto Moses according to Acts 2 22 and 23 they're cut off from among my people same thing here. Moroni said that that man was about to come forth. That man has come forth. I am telling you who I am. I am telling you what God has commanded me to command you to do. And if you don't shema, if you do not listen and obey, you will be cut off. And I don't have the power to stop that. That's between you and God. But if you will not accept me as my as his witness, as he has said to me, then you will be cut off. Verse 12. And my people who are a remnant of Jacob shall be among the Gentiles, yea, in the midst of them as a lion among the beasts of the forest, as a young lion among the flocks of sheep, who if he goes through both treadeth down and teareth in pieces, and none can deliver. Are we starting to get a clear picture of what the Savior was telling the Nephites about the latter-day Gentiles in the very last days and about the servant and the servants? Because there's more than one, but there's one main one. Who will be spared from among the latter-day Saint Gentiles? Those spared physical annihilation will be those who are humble, repentant, and who believe the words given to them by the Lord's servant. They will remain as salt that has lost its savor. They will be those who will repent and return to the Father, which is the very meaning of Shema. They will be those who repent and return to the Father, because it's the work of the Father, They will be numbered among those in the church of the firstborn in Zion. Remember, Zion is born in the wilderness on the Exodus. They will be the righteous who will be straightened by the Lord and who will be be provided a means of escape. They will be gathered out from among the nations to the New Jerusalem. Doctrine and Covenants 45 verses 66 and 68 uh, through 68 say and it shall be called the new jerusalem a land of peace a city of refuge a place of safety for the saints of the most high god 67 and the glory of the lord shall be there and the terror of the lord shall are also shall be there insomuch that the wicked will not come unto it 
and it shall be called Zion, verse 68. And it shall come to pass among the wicked that every man that will not take his sword against his neighbor must needs flee unto Zion for safety. That's interesting. It says among the wicked. Do you know what a wicked person is? So, okay, let's go over this. Gentiles. <laughs> Gentiles who take one strand of God's truth and they take one strand of Babylon and they twist it up and they make it into a wick and they make it into a candle, that's wicked. To take the things of God and mingle them with the things of the world. That's an easy definition of wicked. And those wicked, if they do not want to to be at war and to take up arms against their neighbors, they're going to have to flee to Zion because the whole earth will be in commotion. Doctrine and Covenants section 112, 24 through 26. Behold, vengeance cometh speedily upon the inhabitants of the earth. And the day of wrath, the day of burning, the day of desolation, of weeping, of mourning, and of lamentation, and as a whirlwind, it shall come upon the face of the earth, upon all the face of the earth. And I'm telling you that this tornado that's coming will be like a tornado in the middle of the night. You will hear it. You may even feel the vibrations from it. And if you've been next to a tornado, and I've been in a few. I've had them go right over my head. You feel the vibrations, but you don't see it coming. But when it comes, man, verse 25, and upon my house shall it begin, and that is the whole house of the restoration, because in order to set in order the house of God, it is the whole restoration, that whole thing that was rejected in Nauvoo. The whole thing is out of order. And upon my house shall it begin, and from my house shall it go forth, saith the Lord. First among those among you, saith the Lord, who have professed to know my name. These are the leaders of your various different churches among the fundamentalists, among the the Bergamite branches among the Sydney Rigdon branches and the Emma branches and the Joseph Smith III the branches and the Strangites and all of them. All of you have leaders who profess to lead you by appointment of God. They profess to know the name of God and have not known me and have blasphemed against me in the midst of my house. That is not the temple. It is among all of the branches of the restoration. Saith the Lord. Isaiah prophesies in chapter 28, verse 3, The crown of pride, the drunkards of Ephraim, shall be trodden under feet. But they also have erred through wine. And that's the, wise of, the wine of Babylon the Great. And and through strong drink and are out of the way that and the reason they're drunk is because they're drunk on the spirit of Babylon the Great and they're supposed to be the bride of Christ but they go getting drunk with this other guy named Babylon the Great the priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink that's because they are swallowing up Babylon the Great that's because they are capitulating with Babylon that's because they are in cahoots in secret combinations 
with Agenda 2030 and Agenda 2020 and and all of that. They're getting you to take the vaccines. They're getting you to uh, follow after the world because they want you to be a global church. They are swallowed up of wine. They're out of the way through strong drink and have erred in vision. They stumble in judgment. Verse 15, because ye have said we have made a covenant with death and and with hell, are we at agreement when the overflowing scourge shall pass through it shall not come unto us, for we have made our lies our refuge. See, they have secret combinations. They knew that these things were going to happen. They, instead of trusting God, they go along with the depopulation pro, uh, propaganda. And under falsehood, we have hid ourselves. And this is the leaders of your churches. The priests and the prophets are out of the way. And your covenant with death shall be disannulled, and your agreement with hell shall not stand when the overflowing scourge shall pass through. And that was not COVID. That's coming still. Then shall ye shall be trodden down by it. But the prophet will never lead us astray which is a lie that Wilfred Woodruff taught. Prophets are perfect when they when they speak. Says who? What scripture says that? It actually contradicts scripture. To the contrary, many scriptures tell us not to rely upon the arm of flesh, the flesh of man, but upon the upon God in the revelations and you have to get revelation to know that the revelation Prophet, is correct if I was too. Enough to write, I'm trying to get done with this because I'm about to lose my battery. <laughs> and the revel- the prophet Nephi was open enough to write, O wretched man that I am, keeping himself grounded on the earth. It seems to me that the recommended, that he rec- it seems to me that recommending an experimental, deadly, gripping, heart-damaging, child-aborting, Immune system hijacking, sterilizing vaccine is leading us away from the truth. Absolutely right. Verse 17. I guess that's the end of the... Prophets, let me see here. Prophets are not perfect men. They make mistakes, such as when President Gordon B. Hinckley was completely fooled for many years by the murderous forager Mark Hoffman, believing they were authentic writings of Joseph Smith. President Hinckley authorized the church to spend over $100,000 to buy every document that only Mark would somehow miraculously find in various Midwestern locations. And this is a different article, so... No, I think this is all part of the same thing. I'll just continue on. In the Deseret News, dated February 12, 1862, Brigham Young is quoted saying, What a pity it would be if we were led by one man to utter destruction. Are you afraid of this? I am more afraid that this people have so much confidence in their leaders that they will not inquire for themselves of God, whether their leaders are walking in the path the Lord dictates or not. I don't believe President Nelson is intentionally leading us astray. I actually do. I actually do. That man is evil. Right. 
but that he, because of his vast medical background, is putting his faith in the medical scientists and Big Pharma. Sadly, Big Pharma is an industry completely under the control of the New World Order and the Great Reset elite globalists. These globalists receive immunity, gain, and glory from within the devil's kingdom. They are big, a big part of the global secret combinations. Ponder scripture, be ready when the Lord's non-corporate servant appears, the one mighty and strong, the one assigned to set the house or the Lord's house in order, I will recognize him as being sent from the Lord. I will not be deceived if a false servant pops up because the still small voice will warn me. I am expecting the true servant to be at last to show up because I love to open the scriptures and read and understand them. Note all scriptures cited herein are easy for anyone to understand if they would simply slow down and think, ponder, and pray about them sincerely. And if you desire help understand understanding the Book of Mormon, go here. We've been commanded to think for ourselves, to be anxiously engaged, in a good work and not just sit down waiting to be commanded in all things like dumb lemmings. According to Joseph Smith's 1831 revelation, those who follow blindly waiting for outer direction are doubtful, slothful, and even damned, see DNC 58, 27 through 29. The corporate church has limited life, a limited lifespan. The corporation of the president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints its official name under the United States corporate law has an expir- expiration date by virtue of its very name. We all know when the millennium begins, it will no longer be the latter, day, the latter days. That's when the kingdom of God will spread over the whole earth as Jesus Christ reigns as King of Kings and Lord of Lord, making it end to all nations. Yep. Even though the wording within the Constitution constitutes a heavenly eternal banner, its contents are eternal truths. Yet the end of all nations will include the United States of America along with the corporate law. Also, Deseret Management Corporation will end which corporation also governed by the United States corporation law currently manages 100 billion in the church's assets, assets that will be disappear, will disappear as the nations and along with their currencies. Fortunately, Jesus does not need money to accomplish his purposes on the earth, a completely new terrestrial earth. Just prior to the Lord's coming, hold on here. Glory to the world in burning all the celestial people. I've got like 1% left on my tablet here. Just prior to the Lord's coming in glory to the world and burning all the celestial people, pure in heart, Christians and Latter-day Saint Christians gather to Zion and will become members of the Church of the Firstborn. 144,000 of them will be translated and then go throughout the world preaching and gathering the last remnants. Of the house of Israel, through this process, all covenants made to Abraham regarding the house of Israel be fulfilled as Isaiah's prophecies 
are also fulfilled. See, I, uh, Third Nephi chapter 3, and my, my tablet just died. So I'll be back in just a minute. I'm going to go plug in my stuff and finish this. I'm almost done, so. Okay, we only have a couple minutes left in this. Just prior to the Lord's coming in glory, the world will... Um, the world and burning all the celestial people. Okay, see, this guy needs to edit his blogs better. Pure in heart Christians and Latter-day Saint Christians gather to Zion will become members of the Church of the Firstborn, or the 144,000 of them will be translated, and this is his interpretation, and then will go throughout the world preaching and gathering in the last remnant of the house of Israel through this process, all covenants, made to Abraham regarding the house of Israel will be fulfilled as Isaiah's prophecies are also fulfilled. See 3 Nephi chapter 20, verses 11 through 13. What a glorious time to be alive. What a grand opportunity we have to be part of, of all of it, God willing. As you move forward in life, remember our Savior telling us, My peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, giveth I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid, and always remember his still small voice. So, a new primary song. Anyway, so, yeah, this guy is very close, but you know what I see? I see so very many people getting so very close and walking right past me. And once again, have I been so long with you and you don't know who I am? God doesn't wait for destruction to send his end time servant to warn the people to repent before the destruction. That is now. The words of God are spoken through the revelations that he has given me to share with you on this radio program to the nations of the earth and the elect of God who are called the kings by Isaiah and others. They hear it, and many of them will not hear it or will not listen because they're going to reject it to defend their false prophets. But Isaiah says a tenth of a tenth will hear it. And I leave these things with you in the name of Messiah. Amen.